All right, good evening, everybody. Let's turn our Bibles to Ephesians chapter 1. If you want to get there, we'll start in a new book tonight. Thank you so much for all of you who helped out with Teresa. Uh, she was really blessed. Um, we got noodles tonight, too, from her, so she must have been really blessed. Um, she'll be going home, I think, tomorrow is when she flies out to go back to the Philippines, and she's going to be there till July, so pray for Buddy. I don't know what he's going to do. He'll need, he might need meals or something. We may have to do something for him. I'm sure he can take care of himself. But. Anyway, thank you all for helping her out. It was a, a real blessing to her. Um, the Source Medical Clinic, um, our, um, our clinic here in town for women's health issues, is asking for volunteers. Let me read this to you because they said, please put this in your bulletin. Well, you know, <laughs> do you feel called to serve in your community? Volunteers are needed at the source. We are in search of women to be mentors to new and, uh, and or expecting moms. The one-hour sessions would take place at the source on a Monday or, Tuesday, or a Monday or a Thursday, one or two times per month. The sessions include establishing a relationship with the mom, catching up on any new developments in her journey, uh, parenting or baby care lesson using their specifically developed and easy-to-follow curriculum, so you don't have to come up with it on your own, sharing a small devotion or prayer, uh, and a visit to the baby store there at the source uh, to hook her up with some stuff. And, and also, if you're interested, I'm going to put this, or Josh and somebody will put this on the back table, um, and you can copy down the number or whatever, and it, most of you know where the source is, and you can just walk in and let them know you'd like to, to help out with that. Um, so anyway, that's that. Good opportunity for you um, to get some Christian ladies in there to help. All right, Ephesians. Uh, the city of Ephesus, if you remember from the book of Acts, uh, was quite an uproar when Paul showed up there to start that church. Um, great is the goddess Diana. Remember, they were chanting and chanting and chanting that whole deal because he'd actually messed with their economic system on selling those little idols because people were getting saved. And they weren't worshiping idols anymore, you know. And so the guys were like, hey, we're going to lose our money. You know, we're going to lose our, our livelihood here. And, and woe to the person who makes their livelihood from sin, you know. Um, be careful about that and how, you know, watch yourselves. I'm probably preaching to the choir here, but, um, you know, Todd, watch yourself. But no, I just called him out for... Um, it's nice when things shut down. Uh, because people get saved, not because we've protested them enough that they've, they've lost business, but because people don't go there anymore because they love Jesus and they just want to walk with Him. Um, that's exciting to see, and that happened in several revivals throughout the world, whether that was England or in the United States. Bars just shut down because people weren't drinking anymore because they didn't need to drown their sorrows anymore. They didn't have hopelessness anymore. They had hope. Um, and so they didn't need to self-medicate anymore. They were fine. And uh, the bars were closing down, not because we, you know, we don't want no bars. Uh, you know, they just closed because no one went. Uh, free enterprise, love it. Um, Jesus style. So he's writing to this church. Paul's in prison at this time, waiting for his trial in Rome. And this is one of many letters he wrote to churches while he was there, killing time, uh, waiting for his turn. And so he writes to the church in Ephesus this letter to encourage them. The first three chapters of this is, is just beautiful things of, 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 of God, beautiful heavenly things that God's given them. And uh, um, in Christ, you're going to see that a lot. In Christ, by Christ, through Christ. You're going to see that several times throughout these chapters. 
um, trying to emphasize what you've been given in, in the Lord. And uh, those last, last three chapters are going to be some practical application on how to live that life. But he starts off with the first three chapters being just encouragement. So some of these things, um, they're, I mean, they're all spiritual. And of course, that's why we're here. You're like, well, you know, that's why I'm at Bible study, to hear spiritual things. I know. But sometimes we don't think that way throughout the day. We think of controlling our temper. We think of... Uh, not being worried or not having anxiety or overcoming sins in our lives. We think that way. That's kind of spiritual, but it has to do with us. It has to do with us here just trying to survive with the sin nature that's warring within us with the Holy Spirit constantly that Paul says is taking place. That's the last three chapters. These first three chapters are just, are just what we have in Christ. And it's past tense. You'll notice that. It's done. We have these things. And he does that on purpose to set us up for um, walking with Christ is easy when you understand what you have in Christ. Um, it's easier, I should say. I'm not saying it's, it's simple. Um, of course, we still struggle. But coming from what Christ has given us, it's much easier to understand and see the world as we should see it. It's temporary. It's the flesh. It is corrupted. It isn't what he intended it to be. He will make it what he intended it to be, but it isn't that way right now. And it helps us to get our eyes off of the horizontal and get vertical and look at the Lord and look at heaven and look what's waiting for us and look what we have. Okay, so verse 1, Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God to the saints who are in Ephesus and faithful in Christ Jesus. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. That's his typical greeting, but boy, it isn't typical. It isn't what I would say. Paul establishes himself as an apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God. He knows who he is in Christ. I'm an apostle. It's what I do. He starts churches. He starts riots. And he starts churches, both. That's what he does. And he knows that. And he's confident. He knows he's called by Christ to do this. He isn't necessarily a Barnabas. Obviously, that's why they had such a sharp contention. I'm not a one-on-one guy. I'm a let's get everybody saved now kind of guy. And I'm going to go back in and keep preaching until somebody throws a rock at me kind of guy. That's what he is. Very useful tool in God's handbag. A tool to be used, um, not to be glorified, but he knows what he is. I'm a hammer. That's what I do. You know, some people are tape majors. Some people are other things, but I'm a hammer, he says. And that calls to question, what am I in Christ? What am I called to be? I know what I'm called to be. I'm called to be a pastor teacher. This is what I do for the Lord. This is my ministry in the kingdom of God. I'm not a very good evangelist. I try. I do the work of an evangelist, but rarely does anybody ever raise their hand and come forward. They may do it silently. That's probably why I don't have people come forward anymore. It's just like, do it quietly to yourself. I'm just going to assume somebody got saved today. It's not what I'm called to do. Uh, Billy Graham? <laughs> Hello. You know, you do your thing. There's an evangelist, you know, uh, Greg Laurie, you know, wow, and, and many others. I don't mean to just pick on those two, but I know what I'm called to do, um, and that's in the ministry. That's, uh, but I'm also called to be a dad. I'm also called to be a, a husband. I'm called to be a son, um, and, and, and I'm called to whatever specific job I have at the time. Currently, I'm a real estate agent, and I'm really enjoying it, and I'm just doing it because that's what he's called me to do today. And I know that for a fact. I have a piece about that. And that's really important for your walk with the Lord. Am I doing what I'm called to do in Christ? Am I? 
Do I love my job? Am I enjoying it? Um, you know, find something you love to do and learn how to make a living out of it. That's the best way, you know, for any young people here thinking about, well, I don't know what I should do. What do you love doing? You know, I know you're struggling with that, right? Not struggling at all. I know you know exactly what you want to do. I want to put bad guys in jail any way I can, you know? And maybe, I will, I'll leave it at that. Put some bad guys in jail, and there's just lots of avenues for you right now, you know? And God may narrow it down, but, but doing something you thoroughly enjoy, you know? Um, and, and then and, and know that that's what God's called you to do. Paul knows that. I'm an apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God. To the saints... That's every born-again believer in Jesus Christ. You are a saint. I am a saint. You can call me St. John from now on. or St. Saint J.D. just doesn't have quite the King James twang to it. So call me St. John, which is what it stands for. And I'll call you. you can, we can do that. No church has any right to say you're a saint and you're a saint and you ain't. That's not for us to do. Paul, God, Jesus Christ, all of them in the whole Bible tell us... Born-again believers are saints. You are a saint um, because your righteousness is in Christ, not off of your works. You don't get to be a saint because of what you've done. You're a saint because of who you've believed in, Jesus Christ. Okay, So to the saints who are in Ephesus and faithful in Christ Jesus, grace to you and peace from God. And those, of course, always have to go in that order. You'll never have peace with God until you fully understand the grace of God. You've got to have grace before you can have peace in your heart. And that's what these first three chapters are about. The grace, the unmerited favor, the riches that we have in God given to us freely. Just so you know, here's what you have. That's grace. And all of a sudden, as you read these three chapters, and some of them are a little, they'll get a little confusing sometimes because you, the words he uses are a little, for me it was anyway, maybe you'll completely get it, but you'll, you'll start to have that peace. You'll be like, oh man, won't that be great? I was sitting out back studying. I was over at the, the, I don't know what to call that, whether it's going to be a barn, a shed, or a workshop. Probably workshop. We'll call it the workshop over there, the new building we have over there. And so I was backed up. I dropped off some shelving units over there that I'm going to put together, and I just sat there and studied over there instead. You know, it's quiet, the birds and everything and all that. And as great as it was, it's still messed up. It's still not the way it's supposed to be. I still had time constraints. I still had diesel trucks driving by that were interrupting. I still had... I still had conflict, you know, going on. There just wasn't, it's not perfect. Beautiful, way better than the high V parking lot where I normally study on Sunday mornings. But, you know, just, this is, it was, it's not, it's not perfect. And it got me to thinking, one day it's going to be perfect. And I don't think we realize how much we struggle down here. We're so used to struggling. We're so used to fighting it. We've become so thick-skinned. Some of us may not feel like it tonight, but you have. You put, we put up with a lot of stuff that we were never meant to have to put up with. The Garden of Eden was perfect. They were so thin-skinned, they didn't have to wear clothes. I mean, it was that awesome, you know? It was just perfect. Never had to worry about what kind of food or where the next bill was going to get paid. Money wasn't even an issue for them. It was always given and provided, and they would walk... And in the cool of the day, Jesus would show up or the Father would show up and they'd walk with God in the garden and talk with him face to face, side by side. What are you going to call that, Adam? Hey, Eve, what are you going to name that? You know, giraffe, elephant. I mean, it was just a crazy, beautiful place and time. And we don't, that's what's coming. That's what we're, no more bad guys to put away. 
No more uh, worrying about people falling into sin. No more counseling, you know. Oh, please, you know, stay together, you know, kind of thing. None of that exists anymore. And so Paul tries to get that across in these three chapters because he knows, and tell me, I mean, these folks are going through it compared to us. I mean, I, I know we're going through it. I don't mean to diminish what, what struggles you have each day, but the church in Ephesus really had an uphill climb. They weren't accepted, you know. Um, it was just something you did, and you went on with life, and it was hard. A lot of persecution. So, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. Did you read that? Every spiritual blessing. It's already been done. It's past tense. You have been blessed in the heavenly places in Christ. When you're in Jesus, you've been given all the spiritual blessings. Now, I don't think I get to benefit. I think a lot about flying when I'm in heaven. That's one of those blessings I'm looking forward to doing when I get there. I want to, I want to you know, I think that'll be neat. I don't think about the spiritual blessings that I have in Christ that are already mine. I can have peace and turmoil. Um, Jesus showed us that, what it looked like to have all the spiritual blessings of the Father when he walked on this earth for the time, the three and a half years that, the, that we have a witness, an eyewitness, the, the disciples writing everything down. We saw what it looked like to have all the spiritual blessings. He, he, they, they said, you know, aren't you going to eat? Well, man doesn't live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. I look, you know, that's, that's my spiritual food. That's, that's what I need to live today. I don't get that sometimes because, you know, I like peanut butter and jelly and I think that way a lot. My flesh reminds me that I like that. But Jesus, he sleeps on the back of a boat during, this, during a huge storm when they thought they were going to drown. And these guys were sailors. I mean, they fished, not really sailors. No Jew really liked to be out in the ocean, out in the water, but they did it. They were fishermen, and they would go out there. Um, and they were used to the Sea of Galilee, which, man, one day it's nice, and the next minute it's not. It's like Missouri. You just don't know. And it, was, it would come in and blow, and this was one of those storms where we're not making it to shore. And I've been on the Sea of Galilee one time, and it's like, it's not that far across. I mean, you could see the shoreline. I mean, it's not like the Great Lakes or something. You can see the other side of it. And and it's like, they, we're not making it. We're going to drown. And he's asleep. That's a spiritual blessing. And we have all these things in Christ. We just, we, you know, we got to learn how to take them and use them. And so he tells them that. You've been given everything in him, in him, in Christ. You can circle all those every time that comes up. Just as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before him in love, having predestined us to adoption as sons by Jesus Christ to himself, according to the good pleasure of his will, to the praise of the glory of his grace, by which he made us accepted in the beloved, in Jesus. That word beloved is capitalized. He's talking about Jesus again. So we're accepted in Christ. You're not accepted outside of Christ. Those who don't have Christ aren't accepted. Christ makes us acceptable. We're accepted in him, just to get that. This predestination is... is a it's a wonderful thing. Uh, the church likes to struggle with it. You know, are, are we predestined or do we have free will? And, 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 you know, I've got my own opinions on it. And I, I think it's, I'll, I'll try to explain my opinions the best I can because the Bible teaches both. We absolutely have free will. But we also, God is absolutely sovereign at the same time. We know that. And um, I don't understand why God's sovereign will can't be for us to have free will. I don't understand why that can't be. 
but people can't know it can't be that you have free will. Well, if it's God's sovereign and He wants us to have free will, that still balances out perfectly, I think. But they they struggle with the how about how about before the foundations of the world? I don't know. Let's not worry about that. Let's look at the beauty of it because that's what Paul's trying to get across. Before I was better in Christ, before I sinned less, hopefully all of us are on that path, right? We're trying not to cuss as much, and we're trying not to do this as much, and I'm trying to be better, be like Christ. You know, God is forming us into His image. Before we even knew Him, He chose me to be saved. He picked me when I was at my worst. That's what Paul's trying to get across. Ephesians, you know, God loved you and picked you before you even knew him or before you even loved him or even had any idea. That's, that's how he feels about you. That's what Paul's trying to get across. Please keep in mind how God feels about you, what he thinks of you. And so he tells him that before the foundations of the world, he picked you. Now, um, so we'll go back to the predestination thing because we like to talk about that. And so I'll give you another example. At one point in time, I decided that I was going to ask Jenny to marry me. I made that choice. I made that decision. But she had to reciprocate. I chose her. Well, what kind of love would that be if I bonked her on the head and drug her to my house afterwards? Got her. <laughs> Let me out. No, no, I chose you before the foundations of the, you know, creepy, you know, whoa. Um, and God's not creepy. Of course he chose us. And he gives us the opportunity to choose him back. Okay, but what about before we even knew him, before the foundations of the world? Well, imagine you have a time machine. Wouldn't that be great? How many of you would be poor if you had a time machine? You'd be dumb if you were, because you'd go back one year and pick the right lottery numbers, and you'd be rich, right? You'd share it with the guy that originally was supposed to win it, but you'd get some of it, right? Tell me you wouldn't do that. I don't gamble. I don't know. It's not gambling if you absolutely know it's a sure thing. I've already worked this out in my mind that it's okay. I'm kidding. What, what kind of person would go back with the time machine and pick the wrong numbers? I just want to be fair, like everybody else. But you know the answer. You know who's going to... See, God knows ahead of time. When He sees your life, when He sees my life, He sees our life. Start to finish. He knows exactly who's going to choose Him, and He chose us. He chose the winners. He can't help it that he's outside of time. He created time. He created space. He created matter. He did all of that in the first sentences of Genesis. He created all those things at the exact same time. And so when he sees us, he chose those who were going to choose him. We don't get that, but he does, and that's what's important. So that's why when he writes down and talks about things that are outside of time, I chose you before the foundations of the earth. How could you? You didn't even create me yet. It wasn't even a thought. Wait a minute, you're God. And all of a sudden, God gets even bigger than we thought he was. God's sovereign will is for us to have free will. And so Paul says that. Be encouraged, Ephesians. Don't argue about it. Be encouraged that he chose you while you guys were still creeps, you know? Um, and he loved you, you know? And he loved you. Verse 7. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of his grace, which he made to abound toward us in all wisdom and prudence or understanding, having made known to us the mystery of his will according to his good pleasure, which he purposed in himself, that in the dispensation of the fullness of the times, he might gather together in one all things in Christ, 
both which are in heaven and which are on earth in Him. Um, a lot of big words there, but Paul's point was this was all his idea. I'm not trying to dumb it down too much, but let's break it down. He made all of the riches of His grace abound toward us. And, and that's what I was getting at when I was thinking about studying over there. It's, it's bountiful. It's beautiful around here. But when God talks about ab- abundance, it's like you've got to tell him to stop. It's too much, you know. Um, you know, I've been, I've been to Hawaii once when I was um, in the service. Beautiful, beautiful place. It was, uh, it, you couldn't soak it all in. You could, you could sit, literally stare at it, the ocean and the plants and everything and the blueness and the greenness and the blend and the black soil and everything. And you just, you can't quite get enough of it kind of thing. And you get up in the next morning and you never looked at it and went, I've seen that. You stopped and stared again at the same thing, just like a tourist, you know. That's, his ab- that's a lame example, but that's the best I can come up with of his grace and his mercy towards us. It, it's, a, it's, a, it's abundant. Every morning, my, his mercies are new for me. And we, and we say that and we quote that because we have to remember that about ourselves. But it's supposed to put us in awe of him. I'm supposed to stare into the face of Christ and just, I can't get enough of you. I can't stop looking at you. You are the most amazing God I've ever seen. And there's only one, but you know what I mean. You're amazing. You're the most beautiful person. Your heart is the most pure. You love me more than I can even understand how to even love like that, but you love me this much. I'm just supposed to be in awe of that every time. And Paul says, as he's talking about this, he made it abound towards us in all wisdom and prudence. He fully understood, and it was absolutely wise for him to do that for us. And to get that into our heads, that it was never a mistake, that we were never some screw-up, that he just had to figure out how to get us into heaven. Oh, there's that guy over there. Well, I don't want to leave him out. I've got to figure out what to do, so I better send my son to die for him. That's not how he thinks. That's how I think about myself sometimes, but he doesn't. And so Paul wants to drive that home. It was in all wisdom and prudence, having made known to us the mystery of his will. It was his desire, his will. According to his good pleasure, it pleased him. I can't wait. Which he purposed in himself. He doesn't have to ask anybody or figure it out. I'm going to do this, he says. In the fullness of time, he might gather together in one, all things in Christ. That's how it all turns out. When everything's said and done and time is over with and Christ returns, he's going to gather everything in him together. That's what he means by that. Everything that's in him, he pulls together and we're one. No more separate governments. There's no more maps. We have a land dispute right now with one of our neighbors right now. We're trying to work it out in the most peaceful way we can. Um, we bought land and he thought it was his and it never was his and he's been using it and thinks it ought to be his and he's dead set on it and that's fine but eventually I don't have to look at a map anymore and figure out where the lines are. Uh, We're just in the kingdom of God and we have one ruler, one government. Jesus Christ is our king and everybody's under the same authority and and the same rule and and that's exciting. He's going to pull all things together in him. Uh, In him also, if that wasn't enough, We have obtained an inheritance being predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will, that we who first trusted in Christ should be to the praise of his glory. In him you also trusted, 
After you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also, having believed, you were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until the redemption of the purchased possession to the praise of His glory. We don't really grasp that a lot of times. The best, time, the best thing I could ever use was be like the, the Walmart uh, layaway program kind of thing where you've purchased it or you've bought it and it's been shipped to the store, but it hasn't been picked up, but it's got your name on it. And that's lame. I mean, it's really not great to use Walmart in Bible studies, I guess. In Ephesus, they were a harbor town. It was a big shipping town. And these guys, these merchants would come and they'd get off the ship and they'd have their stamp and they would buy goods. But they don't like put it in their back pocket while they're walking. And so they'd stamp it, bought that, pay the man, mark it down, put that on the ledger and move on. And they would leave it on the dock and they would keep doing that throughout the town. Then when they left, they would gather all their things, put it on the ship and go. And that's a better example for us of what Christ has done. He's purchased us with his blood. We've believed on him. He's stamped us, and he's going to come pick us up. He just hasn't taken us yet. The redemption hasn't happened. We've been paid for, but he hasn't grabbed us, if that makes sense. And so Paul's saying, we're that. We're we're going to be that. We have this promise. The Holy Spirit is the seal. Um, And and that's how you know that you're his, is by the seal of the Holy Spirit, the promise. Um, And and he gives that to us, okay? Verse 15, therefore, I also... After I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all the saints, do not cease to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayers, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give to you, and here's a shepherd's heart, here's a pastor's heart, here's what he wants his sheep to know, the people that God has put in charge of him. Here's, if you're going to learn anything, Paul says, please, I pray that you understand this one thing, here it is, may give to you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of Him, the eyes of your understanding being enlightened, that you may know what is the hope of His calling, what are the riches of His glory, of His inheritance in the saints, and what is the exceeding greatness of His power toward us who believe according to the working of His mighty power. I want you to know that. I want you to know that not only do we have an inheritance in Christ, which we're all looking forward to, the mansions, the crowns we get to throw at his feet, whatever it is that he has for us. We look forward to flying. I'm looking forward to that. That's my inheritance. He wants us to know just as excited as you are to get to heaven, he's as excited to have you. You're his inheritance, he says. That's huge. That's huge. Of course, we use the example of an adoption. You've adopted this baby and from another country perhaps, and you've maybe visited it a few times, and you've had a relationship with it for a little bit, but you, don't, you haven't been able to take them home. They're not yours yet, you know, but boy, you've fallen in love with them. Boy, you want them to be yours. Boy, you can't wait. Boy, you've made their room, you know. Oh, it's going to be blue, and it's going to look because he's a boy, and I know that's sexist, but we're going to do it anyway, and you know, and we've got trucks there, and you know, whatever, and you've got it all set. I've got the room prepared. And then you go to the gate and you see the baby come off the plane for the first time and you grab that baby. And that's Christ. That's how he feels towards us. That's UPS. Did you guys order anything? Okay. (laughs) Hey, go talk to your brother. He's a a UPS driver. Invite him in. Um, That's that's God's heart for you. He is, he is as excited. He's got a place prepared for you. He is waiting for you. He is so excited to see you and I. Um, 
And when we walk in, it's not going to, you know, it's not like we're going to sneak in the back door or something. And I'm just going to stand in the back row kind of thing, you know. It's an amazing thing, the greeting we're going to get from him. Well done, good and faithful servant. Hello, son. Hello, daughter. You know, you're mine. I've been waiting for this day forever. We're never, ever going to be separated again. Nothing will separate me from you. We will live eternally with each other. Isn't this great? Yeah, it is. You know? So, Paul wants him to know that. Please know that you are his inheritance. And what is the exceeding greatness of his power toward us who believe? According to the working of his mighty power, which he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places, far above all principalities and power and might and dominion and every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in uh, that which is to come. In other words, he is the highest you're ever going to get. He is the height of height. He's, he's, he's the king. Um, no one's higher than him. And, and we know that. I think we know that. Um, but maybe the Ephesians just needed to be reminded of that. He's not in competition with anybody. And, you know, maybe we don't. Maybe sometimes we think God's in competition with Satan. You know, we got God on one shoulder and we've got Satan on the other telling us what to do. It isn't a competition. God has all authority. Jesus has all authority. Satan isn't his equal. Satan is a created being that's just a nasty, rebellious creature that God didn't form that way but became that way from Scripture. We know that. But he's not, a, he's not in competition, no more than you are a competition for an ant. It's not even a, it's not a fight kind of thing. And so keep that in mind. Um, he has a great power towards us, and he's got us in his hand. We're saved by his grace. And I believe that. And that's our power. You know, there's only one thing God's ever asked of us. There's only one thing he ever requires of us, and that's to believe by faith. It's the one thing you have to do in this lifetime. So one thing you have to do in this lifetime is to believe by faith. Nothing else is required for salvation. Believe by faith in what Christ has done on the cross, that that is your salvation. That's what keeps us. And he put all things under his feet and gave him to be head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. And so we get into the metaphor of us being the body of Christ and he's the head and uh, by the Holy Spirit, we're coordinated and we do what we're supposed to do. Billy Graham does what he's supposed to do. Greg Laurie does what he's supposed to do. J.D. Dirks does what he's supposed to do. And you do what you're supposed to do. Paying attention to the Holy Spirit. And we're, all of a sudden, we're coordinating. We don't have to have a big meeting. You know, we just coordinate because we're paying attention to the Holy Spirit. Chapter 2. And you he made alive, who were dead in trespasses and sins, in which you once walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit who now works in the sons of disobedience. He's talking about Satan there. Among whom also we all once conducted ourselves in the lusts of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, just as the others. So he brings us back to what he saved us from. We saved us from walking around in our trespasses. We were dead. We were still alive heart pumping, but we were destined. Uh, our eternity was set at that point. We had made our decision, and uh, we weren't going to make it. Um, but He made us alive. He resurrected us from that dead. By believing on Christ, by faith, we've now risen with Him. Uh, we were in Him, 
And that's how he describes it. That's, those are his words, not mine. Um, we once used to walk that way. And sometimes you might say, I, I kind of still walk like that sometimes. You know, I still trip up and go into that old habit. But it's uncomfortable for you now. Um, it isn't right. You know it's not right. Um, you know it's sin when you've done it. Um, and, and for those that get worried, I don't know if I'm saved because I sinned. If you weren't saved, you wouldn't care that you sinned. The very fact that it's breaking your heart and that you're concerned about your salvation should be the seal of the Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit is inside of you grieved by what you've done. If you sin and you don't have any remorse and you don't care about it anymore and it's no big deal, then the remorse isn't there and perhaps the Holy Spirit isn't there and there's no, there's no seal. So yeah, but those folks don't worry about it. You know, um, uh, you know of course we don't want to walk in sin. As a pastor, I'm, I'm obligated to say that afterwards. Don't get comfortable in your sin. Don't just start sinning because you can, because you have a choice to. No. Hopefully from these first three chapters, we choose holiness because of all the things we just read about him and what he's done for us and how he feels about us. And so we walk that way. In other words, my, my wife is amazing and she's awesome and I want to be faithful to her because I love her, not because I'm afraid of getting caught or that she's going to hit me with a frying pan if, I, if I'm not. No, it's, it's my heart for her. And that's how God wants us to feel towards Him. I want you to have a heart for me, to love me like I love you. Um, and so that's, that's why we're holiness. And so He says, we saved us from that. Uh, we were sons of disobedience, but now we were children of wrath, but we're not. In verse 4, I love these two words, but God. I love that every time it's in the Scriptures. We were this, but God, who is rich in mercy, because of His great love with which He loved us, even when we were dead in trespasses, made us alive together, with Christ, by grace you have been saved, and raised us up together and made us sit together in the heavenly places of Christ Jesus, that in the ages to come he might show the exceeding riches of his grace in his kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. Now, I don't understand that because he's talking about something that hasn't happened yet, but for the ages to come, we're like trophies to him. More than that, obviously, we're not in a case, you know, but we're he, when people see us standing beside him, they think he's awesome. That's what we're here to do. I can't believe that. Look at that grace. Look at that mercy. You know, I never want to lose that perspective about myself. I don't want to beat myself up. I don't have low self-esteem um, because Christ's esteem for me is so high that I'd be sin to not think of myself like he thinks of me. But I still want to keep that fresh in my mind that I'm saved because he chose to, not because I've earned it. Simply that, you know. Um, and when I stand next to him, um, I make him look good. I bring him glory just by me standing there. His grace and mercy um, is shown in me because of who I was, but he's made me something else. And that, that is amazing. It's, it's always wonderful when you see, um, even on TV now, when you, when you see... Uh, certain shows or something where they pull people out from the lowest parts and they give them a helping hand up, you know, to help themselves also, but to help them up and out of that and to get set on the path. And you can't help but feel that's awesome. It makes you feel great inside to see that because you know the person needed it and it's so glad that that person came along and could do that for them and it makes you feel happy inside. That's what we do for Christ. 
when people see Christ. We're that, we're that kind of trophy. We were down here, and he was the only one that could help us out, and he did. He chose to and pulled us up, and it, it's, an, it's an amazing work that he's done for us. So, but God, okay, showed us all these things. Uh, then the ages to come, let's see, where am I? For by grace, verse 8, you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, that God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. And so he's got a plan for us, not just salvation, but now he's got stuff for us to do each and every day. People to walk beside and to see that may need that help and to lift them up, you know, to give them a Bible study. The, the, the source is asking for people to help young ladies that, that need grace and mercy. They need a help up. They need to get, you know, someone to come alongside and listen to them and give them wise counsel, God's counsel, you know, um, and to be a blessing to them. Um, that's an opportunity for us. That's one of those good works, not for everybody maybe, it's not meant for every female in here to go sign up. And the lady said the females have to show up. No, that's not. God. Well, they need guys too, um, but this is specifically happening for ladies. But maybe that's something that God's called you to do, and it would fit you perfectly. And it's something. Well, I can do that once or twice a month, and I could help a young lady. And it's not a big group of people because I hate talking in front of people. But one person, I think I could do that. You know, I'm pretty good at that. I like doing that. Maybe that's what God's called you to do. You know, like Paul at the beginning of this letter says he was an apostle of Jesus Christ. Maybe you're to be a mentor in Jesus Christ for one of these gals. Anyway, he has good works for us all to walk in. Different things. And I don't have to hunt for them. Sometimes you try to hunt for stuff. I've got to find something to do. I haven't been really doing anything for Christ lately. It'll come. Just be prayed up and ready. And then when it comes, there it is. There's your open door. We have a really condensed version here of, of life. Uh, what I mean by that is we have 20-year gaps sometimes in their stories. I think we forget that. We prayed for a child, and then we got Isaac. There were 20 years there we missed that they had to wait for this promise. And they messed up all along the way with Hagar and everything. Every single day doesn't have to... There may be an opportunity every single day. You should always be kind every day and loving and reflect Christ, being ready to be like Christ. But it could be years sometimes before God really does something. Oh, man, i got to write that down in my journal or whatever. That was an amazing moment with so-and-so or whatever. There can be gaps like that. Sometimes there's seasons for us to grow. Not to put off fruit necessarily, but to grow deeper roots, uh, to get broader branches, to be a little more strong you know, um, and then bear fruit when it's the season's right and all. Um, he's got good works for you to walk in. It's just all we have to do is be willing. Pay attention and be willing. Verse 11, Therefore remember that you, once Gentiles in the flesh, uh, what he means by that is everybody thought you were a Gentile because you weren't a Jew, because you weren't circumcised. And he's trying to describe the physical differences here. Therefore, remember that you who are once Gentiles in the flesh who are, who are called uncircumcision by what is called the circumcision made in the flesh by hands. In other words, those who had been circumcised call you guys the dirty, rotten scum of the earth. Um, that at that time you were without Christ, being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers from the covenants of promise. All the promises were for Israel, remember? And so these were the non-Israelites. Remember that, Ephesus, that's where you were. But now in Christ, 
um, oh, I'm sorry, I skipped something there. Um, that at the time you were without Christ, being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers from the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world, but now in Christ Jesus, you who once were far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. You were clear over there, but I, he brought you near. Um, when you want to be found by the shepherd, you don't have to find him. You just have to yell really loud. That's what sheep do. That's what, that's what cattle do. You know, when they're in trouble, when they're bawling, you know, something's wrong. And the horses are doing whatever. And I'm, 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 I'm not a farmer and a rancher, so I don't know what I'm talking about. But I know that as a person, when I'm in trouble, I, I can freeze and stand still. And all I have to do is scream as loud as I can, Jesus, I need help. I don't have to go find him. I don't have to get here, you know, in, in this place, this building or that location. I just cry out right where I am. And he's right there for me every time. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. I need help. There's a wolf. I need help. I'm stuck in a hard place. You know, pull me out. Um, he'll find us and he'll help us. And that's all we have to do. Um, and that's the good thing. I mean, we need to remind ourselves of that. That's what Paul says that in verse 11. Remember, remember where you were. Remember you were without God, but remember this. He found you and got you. He brought you near. And that means he's going to keep me near. And I'm going to grow in him. And I've got that protection my whole life. Verse 14. For he himself is our peace, who has made both one, the Jew and the Gentile, and has broken down the middle wall of separation, having abolished in his flesh the enmity, that is, the law of commandments contained in, ordinance, in ordinances, so as to create in himself one new man from the two, thus making peace. There is no more Jew, there is no more Gentile. There's no more male. There's no more female anymore. There's no more slave. There's no more free. We're all together in Christ equally. And he's going to say that as much, but he's brought that together. He's broken down that middle wall of separation, whatever that is. And he came and preached peace to you who were afar off and to those who were near, both. For through him, we both have access by one spirit to the Father. Now, therefore... You are no longer strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God, having been built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone, in whom the whole building, being fitted together, grows into a holy temple in the Lord, in whom you also are being built together for a dwelling place of God in the Spirit." So Jesus came and he's the cornerstone of this building. And the Jews were little rocks that they would stack to, but you've been added to the structure now. You're as important as all the other rocks and we're all being built together. And that's the body of Christ, another metaphor, a building. And the Holy Spirit resides there in the church, in the, those who believe in Jesus Christ. That's what the church is. Hopefully you know that. Um, and that's where we leave off tonight. All right, let's pray. Lord, we thank you for your word. Thank you for the encouragement you've given us in these first two chapters and um, Paul's heart for his folks to know how much you love them and what you've done for them and what, what they have in you, have already. It's past tense. It's something it's, it's been given to us already. Um, of course, we look forward for, to the redemption. We, of course, we look forward to uh, this world being changed and, and renewed um, and and living with you forever and seeing you face to face. We're looking forward to all that, but all the spiritual blessings have been given to us. All of it. And um, 
Help us now with these two chapters in mind, this week at least, even starting tonight, that we would see this world the way we ought to see it. Uh, We're not going to be satisfied by it. It's not going to become perfect in front of us. We're not going to have smooth sailing. It's going to be hard, but we can have the same peace your son had by the power of the Holy Spirit as he slept in the back of that boat during the storm. After a long, busy day when he should have been tired, he went up and prayed because that was his sustenance. That's what kept him going. That's where his strength was. He knew his spirit needed to be revived more than his flesh needed to sleep. Um, So God, help us, Lord, to remember, uh, to let this sink in, settle into our hearts, not just into our heads, and then help us to fully experience all that you have for us, God. Lord, we don't want to be those people that talk about you as if you're some abstract thought. We want to talk about you like you're our best friend, uh, like you're someone we know intimately and personally. And uh, we want other people to have this same relationship with you. And so Lord, help us to look for those open doors for effective ministry this week, good works that we're called to walk in. And uh, we love you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.